you are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to the website, CanesCounty.com, for free. Use the promo code Miami30. Also, subscribe to this YouTube channel, live from Canes County. Subscribe to this podcast on all platforms. And today, well, it's our Scouting the Opponent series that we have every week. For this 2023 season and joining me today is Kelly Quinlan. He joins me from Jackets Online. Thank you for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Kelly is also part of the Rivals.com network. Been covering the Yellow Jackets for almost 15 years. And uh, so he knows everything there is to know about the rambling wreck. But before we get into that, just uh, wanted to... Talk a little baseball because, you know, the Marlins are finally in the playoffs here and uh, you follow the Braves. Um, they've been on a tear this season, same division. Uh, what do you think uh, the chances are the Braves kind of, you know, make a run this year? And what are the chances the Marlins, you think, um, you know, make some noise? You know, it'll be interesting with the Braves. They've had some pitching injuries with their starting pitching and they have a couple guys banged up now. So, the big thing that everyone jokes about around here is that you'll have to score seven runs to beat the Braves. So if the pitchers can stay under that, then they'll be in decent shape. But yeah, they just have one of the craziest offenses, you know, and in, in really in baseball history. And it's been kind of fun to watch. Uh, I was down at a game a few weeks ago. I had some family in town from um, up north, and we all went down and checked it out. And it was uh, it was a great time. And it's been fun watching like Acuna and like all the different stuff. Um, going on with them and, and just how dominant they've been this season. But, you know, I think back to like when I was a kid and like the Mariners had a season where they won like 116 games, 117 games yeah. and lost, <laughs> lost the Yankees. So like, and the wild you never know when you get in the playoffs, you know? Right. Right. You never know. Um, definitely down here. Marlins fans are excited for uh, them, and, but more excited about the Hurricanes. I mean, um, this is definitely a football, football town. Miami's 4-0, and their next opponent, obviously, is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and they had a tough go last week, Kelly. Uh, they suffered a, a demoralizing loss, I, I, I want to say, to a to bowling, bowling green team in which they were heavily favored. You obviously, you know, we're watching this game uh, very closely. Why did this happen? What what actually happened in this game for them to kind of melt down the way they did? Uh, you know, I think the principal issue was just a lack of effort. They kind of looked like a team that wanted to roll their helmets out and, and just beat somebody. And and obviously, haven't watched Miami. Um, they had plenty. I've seen you know Miami have issues with that. Clemson. A lot of these teams that are good. Sometimes I have a Georgia tech's not at that level now, so they really can't make up for it when they kind of come out with a lackluster effort. They went up 14, nothing. It seemed like they just took their foot off the gas and then gave up 38 unanswered points. Uh, you know, the principal issue in the game was a lack of tackling on the defense. They were getting um, the running back from Bowling Green that ran all over them. They were getting him in the backfield and he would break, break a tackle or just not good enough effort on those things. And 
it ultimately cost the defensive coordinator his job um, on Sunday. So, you know, when you look at how the team played, it was just a weird, weird, weird game. And they looked so dominant for the first eight minutes or so of the game and then just all fell apart. And they were coming off a, a big win at Wake Forest where they had played really well on all sides of the game, made plays, and then nothing happened. You know, Bowling Green was a team that was known for turning over the ball. They didn't do that. Um, they weren't even close to really getting turnovers. I think they had their hands on one ball. through a pick six and another interception in the red zone. They were um, one in three in the red zone, scoring opportunities. Pretty much everything you can imagine going wrong. The, uh, the pinnacle of the day was – one of the upbacks on the punt team lined up in the wrong gap, too close to the guy next to him, and the long the long snapper hit him in the shoulder, caused a fumble that led to an easy Bowling Green touchdown. At a point where they started to claw back a little bit and got a defensive stand, but it just is not something's not working. So Andrew Thacker, the defensive coordinator, who's been at Georgia Tech, this was his fifth season, um, got fired. He was a holdover from Jeff Collins, a, a guy that worked with Brent Key at UCF. And, um, you know, Andrew's still on the staff. He got demoted, not fired, I should say. Um, he's now the safeties coach, like sort of the assistant safeties coach. It's kind of a weird deal, but they kept him on staff. And um, I, I think it shook the team up, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond this week. The one – kind of funny stat going into this is Brent Key had his eight game audition last year. He was two and one against ranked teams on the road. Um, he beat Pitt in his first game and then beat North right. Carolina. And then they put really had a chance to go up two scores on Georgia and Athens and a tight end dropped a basically a wide open touchdown pass. And they gave Georgia probably their biggest scare than Ohio state last season. So <clears throat> they're certainly capable of playing well on the road. We'll see how it goes this week. I'm, I'm curious to see how they rebound. Obviously Miami has been really good, but they haven't been super tested yet either. So um, I, I think both teams have a lot to kind of focus on this week, I would say. Definitely. And, and a focus for Miami is, is really executing on offense. And, you know, you mentioned the change at the coordinator from, from Thacker, uh, did you see this coming uh, at all? And, you know, do you like the move? Do you think that this is a step in the right direction? I mean, they did rank, you know, in the hundreds as far as defensively after that game. Is this Was this the right move? And, and do you feel like this is a step in the right direction for Tech? I, I think they need to do something. The effort's not there on defense. You can see watching, you know, any highlights from this game just missed tackle after missed tackle guys getting hurtled quarterback carrying three defenders into the end zone on a play that should have been stopped at like the 10. And it was just bad, bad effort. And Kevin Shearer was brought on. Um, he was the defensive coordinator at Tennessee and special teams coach under Jeremy Pruitt. So DC at South Alabama. And then he was in the NFL with the giants as a linebackers coach, you know, Kevin's a uh, Saban guy, uh, a friend of Brent's, I think he was brought on because I think Brent, you know, was thinking about this all along that there could be a need for a change. Was it magic in the bottle last year with the, the staff and the chemistry they had? They blew up the defensive staff in the offseason. It was several new pieces there. And I think that it just wasn't working for whatever reason. And so he pulled the plug on it. He was very decisive about it. They looked bad 
in the Louisville game in the you know in the second half of that game. They were bad in the second half of the Ole Miss game, and it was effort as much as anything. It wasn't even like um, you know being maybe in the wrong place or whatever. It's just guys not hustling to the ball, not rallying to make tackles, not getting guys to the ground, and, and that stuff is systemic through your whole system and they got to fix it. And I think this was a little bit of a wake up call. Maybe Andrew was a little too wary of trying different guys. I'm not sure what it was, but they were very, he was very decisive on wanting to make the change. And um, hopefully it was a wake up call for the team because they were superior, like physically superior to Bowling Green. They're physically superior and more talented than Wake Forest. Yet you have two, contrasting results i mean that what bowling green game should have been 38 10 or something it shouldn't have been you know a lopsided game like it was sure. so yeah it, it the biggest thing i think for tech fans is everyone wanted to see them get back to a bowl game the schedule remains very hard now they have to upset somebody to kind of get there um because if you look at their remaining right. games they play you know miami um boston college uh carolina here at virginia um and then Clemson and Georgia, um, also in in November. So, and Clemson's on the road. So they got to figure something out, man. Like, because if you want to go bowling and you got to fix that, you got to have to upset somebody. Does it start this week? I don't know. They've not played well historically in in the uh, Hard Rock, and um, it's you know kind of regardless of how bad Miami's been, they've man- managed to pretty much beat them most years. Um, you know, even when Georgia Tech had better teams. So I, I don't I don't know what to expect. I know the former head coach, Paul Johnson, used to hate playing down there. And he had some weird, weird games down there. So um, I, this is a team that's capable of upsetting a top 25 team. They're also capable of getting their butt whipped like they did at Ole Miss in the second half of that game. So um, I think it's kind of all over the place still. Right. Um, now, you, you talked about effort – and missed tackles, which usually most would equate that to coaching. Now, Brent Key is, you know, relatively new with the program, inserted as the head coach last season, takes over as, you know, the full-time head coach this season, makes a drastic change midseason with the defensive coordinator. Do you, um, From what you've seen from Key, uh, do you feel like, he still has the locker room uh does is he was he the right choice as far as keeping him as the head coach and and just your overall feeling of of him i think they're in they went from a coach in jeff collins that was like coddling players and had really kind of a poisonous atmosphere in terms of entitlement and brent's trying to clean all that up and it's going to take time and um they're not as gifted in terms of talent as some of the other teams they play normally just off the rip. It's not like he walked into a, a, you know, a situation where they had all these great starters on offense and all this stuff. They've gone out and found different pieces. The, you know, the leading receiver in the game was a transfer from Georgia had two pretty serious knee injuries. The starting quarterback was kind of a, a guy that burned out at Texas A&M and didn't get things done there in a bad offense. Uh, you know, they're just kind of finding mixed pieces right now to piece this all together. They have a good recruiting class. I think Brent's the right guy. I think it's going to take him time, and he's learning on the job. He's not some guy that's had, 
you know, like Mario Cristobal had all that time at FIU to like kind of learn and get his feet wet. Like Brent hasn't had that yet as a head coach. So there's a little bit of a learning curve going on. But last year, the team rallied around Brent and they won games and really competitive in the back end of their schedule. Um, Even though they were overmatched. I mean, they played, they beat North Carolina with the third string and fourth string quarterback. Um, Right. On the road, you know, in a game where the defense just kind of stepped up. So it's just sort of a mess. I think it's right now a lot of roster issues. They have issues at linebacker, um, issues in the running game. They don't have a big running back that can push the pile when they need tough yards. They, they just are a little bit not there in terms of personnel. I think the ADJ bat understands that. It was going to be kind of a rebuild for whoever took over. I think the problem with Brent is that the expectations are if he um, – he would be able to replicate what he did a year ago, I guess, and, you know, win seven, eight games this year and upset somebody and get them into a bowl and all that stuff. And now they've taken away their margin by losing this game, losing a close game to Louisville. And they even had a one-score game against Ole Miss. It's been weird, like, in their losses, you know, one or two plays here or there changed the whole momentum of those games. So they're not getting, like, whipped or anything. It's just – Something's not quite clicked yet, and I don't know what, how you fix that on the fly, but that's what, you know, Brent Key's getting paid to do. And it's a shame because I think there's, um, I think he has a lot of potential as a coach. It's just going to take time to figure it out. And that was like the worst case scenario for him losing that Bowling Green game. Yeah, definitely wasn't a a good look for for him and the program. Um, But, now that they face a, a Miami team that that's red hot and um, you got a new quarterback and, and Haynes King comes over uh, from Texas A&M, I believe. Right. Yep. Correct. And uh, so, so what have you seen from the quarterback? I mean, like you said, similar to the success of, of the team, it's been up and down uh, from him. Um but what are, what are some of the things that kind of make him dangerous uh, for any team? So it's interesting with Haynes. Haynes won the starting job at AM twice. First, the two years ago, he had like a serious leg injury in the second game, like on the sixth play of the second game. Then he comes back last year and was the starter again and then got benched. He wasn't playing well. And then got the job back again at some point and then transferred. And it's been interesting because he's kind of a gunslinger, um, not afraid to throw the ball right. deep, is a little too maybe reliant on his arm talent at times, a little too inconsistent with, with the ball delivery. But he's really talented. He runs um, well. He needs to probably run the ball a little bit more than he is right now. But, um, you know, the, I think the thing with, with – um, with Haynes is he's able to make plays and, and make plays at the quarterback position. Georgia tech just does, hasn't had a great history of in, in quite a while, really going back to, you know, probably Joe Hamilton, George got George Gotzi, you know, 20 plus years ago. Now they, he can, he can throw for 300 and two or three touchdowns, you know, maybe a pick. He's pretty consistent with that really going into, um, this was a Wake Forest game. He had one of the best touchdown interception ratios in college football. He's throwing for a lot of yards each game. Um, 
I think he still needs to run a little bit more, but overall it's hard to put anything on him. I think, you know, the offense, the biggest issue they've had is they've been inconsistent in the run game. They're consistent at getting an occasional big play, like someone breaking off a 20 yard run. The problem they're having is they're not getting the three, four, five yard runs and middle downs. They're getting behind the sticks if they run on first down sometimes. And that causes sort of a cascade effect. That's what's happened a lot to them in the second quarter and the third quarter of games. And when they're in more of their two-minute mode and more of their, um, you know, even just pushing tempo, they look a little better. They're just they're still missing some pieces, and that and impacts Haynes King too. And then the offensive line, you have a true freshman left tackle playing pretty well, uh, who they didn't expect to start this year. They thought he would come in and be a contributor, but didn't expect him to start. He, the starting left tackle kind of lost his mind in the first couple snaps of the Louisville game. He came in and hasn't relinquished that job. Uh, so last week they were playing basically without the two guys they projected to be their starting tackles. Jordan Williams, a right tackle, is out. Mm-hmm. Um, he he probably is out this week. So, you know, there's some things going on with some injuries. They're a little thin at receiver. They've been thin at receiver, but now they're thinner with – Haynes' favorite target, Chase Lane, uh, has been out the last few games. He's kind of an iffy guy for this game. So there's there's a lot to like about what Haynes is doing, but he doesn't necessarily have the full cast of characters around him yet. So you're expecting some of those guys to be back this game or, or I, no? I think Chase Lane will play. Um, it sounds like they're going to try to play him. I think Jordan Williams is out probably the right tackle. Um, okay. And then uh, the only other guy who got hurt in the game was uh, Jamal Haynes, and he was back at practice today, and Brent, he talked about him in his press conference. So yeah. I, I think they're reasonably healthy, um, but it's going to just all depend on how they show up and, like, you know, how they play in a hostile environment. I, you know, yeah. How hostile it is will be – I don't know where Miami fans are this year. It's always up and down with uh, the Canes and – an 8 p.m. game on a Saturday. I don't know what the draw is like. You you would know better than I would. But, but yeah, the like draw Tuesday. the draw is I believe is going to be on par from what you saw against Texas A&M. Um, I I don't think the the stadium is going to be completely full, but the fact that it's a night game, most Miami fans who like going to games will show up for a night game. <laughs> I mean, it's just better to be, you know, at a night. Uh, game rather than a day game where it's sweltering heat and that sun is just pounding you uh, for a good three hours. And that's probably after you've been out for two hours tailgating. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah, I I do think it's going to be a pretty good crowd. Um, I would say anywhere from around maybe around 40,000 for this game. Now who will be back for the hurricanes is their all American Cameron Kitchens. And Kinchins had an unbelievable game, uh, a historic game last year against Georgia Tech, getting three interceptions and one for a touchdown. For him and the other defensive players for Miami, which Georgia Tech playmakers should that should the Miami defense be concerned with going into this Saturday night tilt? Uh, true freshman receiver Eric Singleton Jr. He's had um, a touchdown in every game so far of his career. He's taken the top off the defense. He had the big opening play touchdown in the 
Bowling Green game, he's their favorite vertical threat, very fast, probably maybe the fastest guy on the team, plays outside receiver, he's not a slot guy. He's very difficult. The two slots are, are really talented, Malik Rutherford and um, and Christian Leary. And then uh, – yeah, Very familiar with both of those guys. Malik Rutherford played down here at Champagnat, who won state championships, and Christian Leary – uh, played at Edgewater, Orlando, who's always battling for state championships as well. Yeah, Malik's just this, he's like this little tiny guy. He came to Georgia Tech, he was like 130 pounds, and he's up to yeah. 160 something now. Um, and just catches everything, just real reliable. Um, the other guy that played really well uh, in the last game was Dominic Blaylock, the transfer from Georgia, who was one of their top receivers before some knee injuries kind of derailed his career. He's a guy that um, is very capable of making plays. Chase Lane's um, been really dynamic when he's been out on the field for them, healthy. Those guys. And then Jamal Haynes at running back. He was a slot receiver. He was stuck in the rotation behind Nate McCollum, who's now at UNC, and um, Rutherford. It's like the third slot the last two years. They moved him to running back, and he's been – awesome at running back he's a little guy like a little slot guy but he's just very dangerous in the open field and then obviously yeah. can catch the ball and make plays so i think that um that's those are sort of the key guys you got to look for they they do try to work the tight ends a little bit as you see and um you know that's a little hit and miss with the tight ends they've generally been able to make plays when the ball's been to them and they use all three guys um Dylan Leonard, uh, Luke Benson, and Brett Scyther kind of interchangeably in passing situations. So you can't necessarily just key up. There's not like a tight end that they try to feed the ball to. They're pretty good. I mean, in the better games that, that they played, Haynes King will throw to 10 different receivers in a game. So that's not um, what a lot of teams are used to seeing either. So you can't necessarily just key on one guy. Definitely. And, and on defense, uh, this is, you know, a defense that, you know, was, let's, let's just call it what it is. They were embarrassed uh, last week against Bowling Green. And I would anticipate that they are going to play with maximum effort against Miami to try to pull off an upset. Who are some of the defensive guys that have been kind of standing out this season for the Yellow Jackets? Kyle Kennard, um, He's had an interception at defensive end and had a four sack game against uh, Wake Forest by himself, four sacks. Uh, he's kind of stepped up. Um, Zeke Biggers, the nose tackle, is a, just a giant human being. Uh, he really does uh, some good things inside for them. Uh, Makai Scott and Daquan Dallas, the two other D tackles, they kind of can play them in different roles. Uh, Scott sometimes will play defensive end a little bit for them, and that gives them a bigger kind of pocket push. That was one of the things they did against Wake Forest that worked really well. Uh, they're pretty good at collapsing the pocket um, in the secondary. It's been a little hit and miss. Miles Brooks was an absolute stud. All ACC safety last year, he got hurt in the Louisville game and very early in that game and has not really looked like himself so far this year. The last game, he finally sort of played a whole game again for the first time. Bo's not super impactful. He was a guy that got a lot of turnovers last year. Jay King, um, the free safety is quite a few picks this year. He had two in the Wake Forest game. He has a nose for the ball. When he's on, he makes some good plays too. So 
you know, they're, they're decent. The linebackering situation is sort of the Achilles heel of this team. They lost two all-ACC linebackers to the NFL um, that were both seniors, and they're going to need to find um, kind of the recipe for or replacing those guys. And it's been a work in progress every week and they just haven't found consistent play yet. So uh, that's sort of the, the Achilles heel of the defense right now. The corners have been okay. They're not great. They can be beat vertically. So I assume that's what Miami will try to do with Van Dyke is push the ball down the field a little bit on those corners. Uh, and I'm curious to see what Kevin Shearer does too, because Andrew Thacker, uh, you know, a lot of times had them in, you know, man coverage or, you know, one guy in an area and not a lot of safety help. Are they going to change that and be a little more conservative? I, I, I'm not sure. So that's a sort of an X factor, and I'm sure that's something that, you know, Mario Cristobal and his staff are trying to figure out right now is digging up tape from Tennessee in 2018 that was like a totally different personnel type too because I'm pretty sure they were they were Jeremy Pruitt teams. So they were probably 3-4, and so that's not what Georgia Tech's running at all. So, right. I, you know, it, it's going to be that's sort of a fascinating edge, I guess, in a way for Georgia Tech. They can have a little unpredictability on defense if they do change some change some things up in this brief window they have. Yeah, that that was kind of going to be my next question here, Kelly. Uh, you know, do you anticipate them changing a lot? Obviously, this guy who's internal, who uh, is you know obviously coaching the the scheme for the the season, but do you feel like? Coach Key made this decision to change the scheme, or was it really just to get more maximum effort from his guys? And do you anticipate him changing stuff up in in just a week's time? You know, they go into a bye next week, so I think if you're going to see any wholesale changes, like you know, we're going to an odd front all the time, or whatever it is, like. Those things will happen next week. I think this week is much more about effort and motivating guys and, and then also the calls in the game, I guess, being more consistent. The defense under Thacker really played for turnovers and negative plays. So there was a lot of gambling, a lot of being aggressive in shooting corners or blitzing different ways or getting the linebackers out wide. That's the thing that was a real killer for them in a lot of games was they would get their linebackers out wide and they get killed on a QB draw or, you know, just a simple handoff, a delayed handoff to the running back, things like that. Those right. things go away a little bit when you um, switch gears and you end up with, you know, a different guy calling things a little differently. So I am curious about that. They've There's one play that they've been killed on the last two years that drives Georgia Tech fans nuts and they got hit on it again on, Saturday, which is like a wheel route with the defensive end covering the back out of the the back or tight end up running a wheel route and getting the ball thrown over their head. And that happened again in the Bowling Green game, which was sort of like, uh, you know, like how many times do you see this thing? And so um, I think that they're going to end up being, um, I think they'll be more fundamentally sound. I don't know if they're going to make big plays, but. To be honest, if they can just get off the field on third down, that's been the killer for them. They they gave up like seven third and longs in that uh, Bowling Green game, and that's just never going to get it done. Like, wow. can't, and they they were down whatever it was. They had seventeen minutes. They had the ball in the game, so you're not going to win wow. doing that either. So they got to figure that out. Yeah, definitely. It will be interesting to kind of see you know uh, what they do if they keep 
the same scheme as far as uh, defense is concerned or if they change things up. Uh, it's definitely been a topic of conversation down here as far as, you know, digging up tape, like you said, uh, to kind of see, you know, what uh, Kevin Ferreira has had done before. So um hate to put you on the spot, Kelly, but I uh, wanted to get your prediction sure. on, on this game. Miami is a 21-point favorite from what I saw last. I don't know if that number has changed at all. Uh, but they're in a tough spot, uh, you know, to, to come down to Miami a night game. The crowd is, is going to be energized and juiced up for this one. They're all, Miami's playing in their black jerseys uh, for the first time this season, what I think uh, kind of gives them a little extra juice. Um, how do you think this final score ends up? Intellectually, looking at it, um, you know, probably – you know, 38-24, 38-20, something like that, Miami. Uh, the Having watched this team with Brent Key and really watched Georgia Tech over the last five years since Paul Johnson left, Georgia Tech could easily win this game and upset Miami, and they could easily get blown out. And so I don't know. It depends on which team shows up, right? Like they play up to some teams and they play, they're very much still in that playing up and down to their opposition right now. And so um, I think that uh, I'll ride the middle there and say, you know, Miami wins, but maybe they don't cover um, the 21, uh, yeah. you know, 38, 20, something like that. Like, you know, a convincing enough win, but not covering. But again, like I have no idea. Like they could come out and play with their hair on fire and and give Miami a real scare, and it's a one score game going into the fourth quarter. I mean, last the last time they were down there, um, really they just needed to get a few first downs in that game, and they would beat Miami. And that was a really bad Georgia Tech team. Um, you know, they've played some weird, weird games in uh, in that stadium. So. I, I'm not optimistic of them winning the game, but um, I do think it'll be more competitive than maybe Vegas is expecting right now. He's been pretty good against the spread as a head coach as well. Yeah, I, I do think that this game is going to be pretty much on par with uh, with with Vegas. Um, you know, I think I think the coaching change is a. Uh, going to be a factor here i i think not having that continuity but then there's always some situations where it does you know kind of rejuvenate a team as well so you kind of never know georgia tech is just one of those teams like you've been saying throughout this whole podcast so you just don't know what what kind of team you're going to get um but with miami they've been pretty consistent and the message has been pretty consistent week after week uh they treat every game like it's the championship game um, and you've just kind of heard that continue to echo uh, from the coaches as well as the players. So I, I think they they put up, a, you know, a 30 to 40 number um, as far as, you know, what they put up on Georgia Tech uh, in this game. Uh, question is, it's just, uh, will Georgia Tech hit some big plays? Temple did hit a couple of big plays last week against Miami. So I would imagine, you know, Malik Rutherford coming back home. Um, is going to want to, you know, show what he can do or, um, you know, some of those other Florida guys uh, may 
may want to, you know, just kind of show uh, what their home state uh, team uh, missed out on. So I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's going to be close to the number in, in my respect. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it may be like a forty-five to uh, twenty-four uh, type of game, maybe. Uh, but we'll see what happens on the Saturday. The only thing I'll mention is, so they went into Ole Miss two weeks, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and Ole Miss is number fifteen in the country right now. They've played really well. Uh, beat LSU this past week. Right. Ole Miss at night, uh, much rowdier. Not to diss on Miami or anything, but much rowdier stadium, um, SEC stadium with seventy thousand people in it. And it was a 24-17 game in the fourth quarter with eight minutes to go. Ole Miss scored several kind of junk touchdowns in the back end of that game to to push the score out a little bit. But they're capable of playing with teams like that. So I I, I am very cautious to pick three score games um, against Georgia Tech, regardless of how bad the Bowling Green game might look like. So I would say, you know, if I'm a Miami fan, I'm looking at this, I'd be very cautious about being like overly confident going. This is the kind of game that Miami's lost the past 20 years, right? Like they'll play some team like this, like Pitt, Syracuse, whoever it was, and like lose a game like this when they have some momentum, they're back ranked again, the the tides turn, the Canes are back, baby. And (laughs) so like, do I think that happens week intellectually? No, I don't think this is a team that would do that. But, like, is it a possibility? Absolutely. So I would not be, like, coming in and expecting a cakewalk, if I remind me. If they do, they're in a lot of trouble, I think, if the team thinks that way. Yeah, that's that's the thing. This, this new coaching staff and this this new regime with, with Coach Cristobal, it's it's different, man. Um, you know, I've, I've been following the team for a while now, and it, it's – you can feel that the energy is just kind of totally different. It's more of a business-like approach uh, that they take from week to week. So I don't expect a letdown from them. Um, It's just how much effort is Georgia Tech going to come out with, you know, like that, because, you know, teams don't like to get embarrassed and they got embarrassed last week. Now they have a new defensive coordinator and they may shake, shake some things up. So I think they, they will surprise Miami with some plays because of that. But, yeah, I think it's it's probably very similar to that Ole Miss-Georgia uh, Tech game. I mean, that game ended up 48-23. to 23. So I think, yeah, it, it kind of ends up somewhere in that, in that range. But the stranger things have happened <laughs> for sure. But um, that's Kelly Quinlan, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for joining me on my weekly podcast scouting the opponent uh great stuff from you i really appreciate it and hopefully we'll we'll see you again uh you know sometime soon cool appreciate it marcus absolutely once again this is going to conclude the storm tracker podcast uh for our our weekly segment of scouting the opponent make sure you subscribe to the website canescounty.com use the promo code Miami 30. Also subscribe to this podcast on all platforms and also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Kings County until the next episode.